Look with me tonight, please, in Psalm 8. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent, how majestic, how glorious is Thy name in all the earth, who has set Thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings Thou hast ordained strength because of Thine enemies that thou mightest steal the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, it's interesting. He didn't just say, when I consider the heavens. He said, thy heavens. In other words, the heavens belong to God. The heavens are made from the Lord. The heavens are, are the property of the one who made them, and that's the Lord. When I consider, Lord, your heavens, David said, the work of thy fingers, the moon, the stars, which thou hast ordained. Notice what the scripture says. He says, Lord, when I consider all this, what is man? Who are we? That's what he's saying. Who are we that thou art mindful of us? And the Son of Man, that thou visitest him. For thou hast made him, man, a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him, mankind, to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen. He's talking about created things, the animal kingdom, the animal world. Sheep, oxen, yea, the beast of the field, the fowl of the air, the fish of the sea, whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas, everything that's in the ocean. And then he ends like he started. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name. How glorious, how mighty, how majestic is thy name in all the earth. And so we learned last week that most likely we believe this was written by the psalmist David. And the whole purpose, the whole theme of this one psalm is the glory of the Lord's name. How excellent is your name. And so last week we began going through this text, this psalm, and we said we're going to give you six reasons tonight. We didn't give six reasons last week, but we're going to finish out the reasons. Six reasons given in this psalm, at least six, or I'm sure there's more, but we're going to highlight six of the reasons given in this psalm as to why the Lord's name, why does David say how excellent is your name, the excellency of the name of God. So we learned last week that first of all, God can be known and he can be embraced by human beings. And I said it last week, I'll say it again. Y'all, I just got to be honest, that's shouting ground right there. That ought to cause us to pause and just praise the Lord and thank him that we can know who he is. Aren't you glad tonight you can know your God? Aren't you glad you don't have to have some nebulous concept or non-personal, dispassionate relationship? What kind of relationship is that when you are not even sure that you can know the God whom you worship? 
No, the Lord said, hey, I want you to know who I am. He's our Lord, our Lord. He can be known. Uh, We learn, second of all, that his name, verse 1, his name, how excellent is your name. His name is a representation of his character and his might, who he is and what he can do. And then I want you to notice, I don't know if I gave this to you or not, but here's where we're going to start tonight. Is that okay? Number three, we learn in verse one that his glory and greatness is declared from every corner of creation. Every spot, every form of life declares the greatness of God in all the earth. In every location, in every corner, there's not one spot of God's creation that does not shout out His glory and His greatness. How majestic, how excellent is your name in all the earth. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Why is that so? Because every part of creation screams, shouts the glory of God. Reason number four given in verse one, we learn that his glory, God's glory, exceeds the greatest things that our minds can comprehend. His glory exceeds the greatest things that we can comprehend. Look back at verse one now. Now we're going to move down the psalm after this, but but notice what he says. He's talking about the Lord, and he says about God that God has set his glory above the heavens. Adam Clark said this about that statement. He said, the heavens are glorious. The most glorious of all the works of God, which the eye of man can reach. But notice this, he said, But the glory of God is infinitely above even these. Man, you think the heavens and the sky and the, and, and the, and the atmospheric heaven and the heavenly bodies. Man, if we think those are impressive and in just a moment, we're going to delineate a couple of specific things about how grandiose and glorious the heavenly bodies are. This created universe. What David said through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is that when you think about all this and about how great God is, His glory exceeds even the greatest things that our human brains can comprehend. That phrase, who has set thy glory above the heavens, it even seems to indicate that God's glory is beyond the reach of any kind of threat. You've set your glory above the heavens. Nothing can diminish God's true glory. It can't be stolen. It can't be tarnished. It can't be disfigured. He has set his glory above the heavens. And he goes on and he he gives us a fifth reason. You're like, dude, we only got two more. No, he gives us a fifth reason. Verse 2. Notice verse 2. This is an interesting verse. Out of the mouth of babes, literally out of the mouth of infants, and sucklings in our King James. The word literally means a nursing child. 
A little child that's nursing, an infant out of the mouth of infants and nursing children, thou hast ordained strength. Now just stop right there just a moment. That's an interesting statement worthy to be pondered. Just like all the Bible is. (laughs) What does he mean by that? that? That from the mouth of a nursing child, from the mouth of a little infant, that God has ordained strength. And then notice this phrase, because of your enemies, Lord. You, you've done this because of your enemies. That they, that thou mightest still, circle that word, S-T-I-L-L, still. It, it literally means, Lord, that you might stop them, that you might silence them. And here's what he's saying, that even in the noise, in the cries, in the gibberish of a little baby, in the goo-goos of a little baby, But just that alone reveals enough of the glory of God and the power of God and God's creative genius. That's enough to silence and to stop the naysayers, the enemies of God who seek to disprove that he even exists. And David said, listen... Even in the cry of a baby, even in their gibberish, even in the little coos of a child, it reveals the greatness and the power of God. So much so that God, as Paul said in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, God can take the foolish things or what the world says is insignificant and Paul said he can confound, he can stupefy, he can silence the ignorance of foolish men just in something that we think is insignificant. And he says that he has perfected strength. He has manifested strength. His strength is seen even in the cry of a baby. God uses certain elements and realities of an infant to reflect his creative genius. The infant's cry. Think about this. The infant's instinctive yearning for security, for cuddling, for milk even. Who was it that put that there? Was that that an outgrowth of the evolutionary process? I have a Hebrew word for that. It's called baloney, if you believe that. Baloney. That's Hebrew and redneck. Amen. If you believe that, How in the world, ladies and gentlemen, and I know I'm looking at life through a biblical framework, but how in the world can any human look at a baby and not see the creative power of an almighty God? That's why, and I'm not on a hobby horse, but that's why when I consider the abortion argument 
Man, how, how is that even possible? That we totally dismiss that little life as being a, 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 a human life, a bearer of the image of God. And David said, even, even a baby's cry. All these things are a testament to God's unmatched power and wisdom. Don't even get close. And that brings us to our final thought. Think about this. As great and powerful as God is, reason number six, he has elevated and crowned humanity with great honor. As great and powerful as God is. Think about this. He has graciously, he has stooped to where we are. He has condescended. He has elevated and crowned humanity with great honor. Notice verse 3. When I, David said, Lord, when I look up, not just in the daytime, but when I look up at night, I see the work, I see the heavens, I see, I see thy heavens, I see the work of thy fingers. Notice what David called the heavens. The work of the fingers of God. <laughs> the craft, the evidence of the design of God. That that God created with his fingertips. Then he goes on to include the moon and the stars. Again, this categorically refutes the evolutionary theory of origins. <laughs> David didn't say that, that, that this was cre- that, that this evolved over a, a, a series of explosions and no, no, no. He said, Lord, Lord, you created all this. How many of you believe that? Say amen right there. He says, Lord, I consider your greatness as revealed in your creative handiwork, the created universe. You remember the last time you walked out on a clear night? Not a lot of clouds. You got away from lights. Those of you that live in a rural section of our county or wherever you live, when's the last time? I challenge you tonight. I don't know. Maybe tonight wouldn't be a good night. I don't know. Go out on a cloudless night and things are pretty clear and get away from street lights and, and, and just, just, just stand there and do this for 10 minutes. Start counting. Counting what? Not airplanes. <laughs> Stars. Have you ever done that? Question, could you, could you finish counting? No. Astronomers uh, say that on a very clear night, you can go out and see at the most, at, at the most, 6,000 stars. That's still a lot. Do you know that they estimate that just in our Milky Way galaxy alone, just in our galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy alone, there are 200,000 million stars. 
Guess who made them? Guess, guess who, with the work of his fingers, designed everyone exactly like he wanted it to be for his glory and for his namesake to reflect his creative genius. It's further believed, hear this, that there are millions upon millions of other, not stars, hear me, galaxies. besides the Milky Way galaxy in the universe. The estimate is that there are 200 billion trillion stars in the universe. To put it another way, that's 200 sextillion. You're like, CP, what's 200 sextillion? That's the letter two, okay, with 23 <laughs> zeros <laughs> after it. <laughs> Think about this. The earth, our little sphere that we live on, our bubble <laughs> that we call planet earth, it has a volume of almost... 260 billion cubic miles, according to some astronomers. About 1.3 million Earths could fit inside of our sun. So next time you think that you're pretty bad to the bone (laughs) and that you're a big shot or I'm a big shot or whatever, we are so puny... (laughs) (laughs) And as it relates from a human perspective, (laughs) you and I as mankind, we are so, we are so insignificant. And yet, hold on. I'm not going to make that statement yet. Let me just keep reading. The largest known star in the universe is named UI Scuddy. It's 9,500 light years from the earth. It's called a red supergiant star with a radius, get this, of 1,700 times larger than the radius of the sun. (laughs) To put that in perspective, that means that almost 5 billion of our suns could be fit and put inside of that one star. And David said, Lord, when I look up. And David didn't know all this. All David could count was those 6,000. And he said, Lord, when I consider all of this, who am I? What is mankind? Lord, look what you've done for us. What is man that you would even, here it is, think about us. Lord, what what is man that you're mindful of us, the son of man, that you would visit us? And ladies and gentlemen, hear me. Didn't he visit us? He sure, he, he not only visited, but he became one of us. 
And He came to where we were so that we could go to where He is. This is Old Testament gospel right here. If you can't see Jesus in this, I don't know if I can help you. He said, Lord, notice this. Adam Clark said, what is wretched, miserable man, man in his fallen state, man full of infirmity, man full of ignorance, man full of sin. What are we that you would even consider us? To paraphrase what David was saying, he said, when I consider the finiteness and smallness and sinfulness of mankind, I cannot help but be overwhelmed and humbled by your kindness and grace toward us as humans. Charles Spurgeon said, the heavens are so vast and man is so small. The moon is so bright and man so dull. (laughs) The stars so glorious and man so groveling. Lord, how can thou stoop from the sublimities of heaven to visit such a nothing as mankind? And I say, amen, Charles Spurgeon. I don't have the answer to that. Verse 5, for thou hast made mankind a little lower than the angels. In other words, for a little while, literally is what it means, we're inferior to the angels. And you've crowned man with glory and honor or splendor and magnificence. Wait a minute. I thought we were talking about the gloriousness of God. We are. And yet to think that God would crown us with significance. How awesome is he? How merciful is he? Let me tell you what the mercy of God is, then we're going to pray. We're coming down the home stretch. Do you not see the mercy of God and the fact that he, I mean, listen, the fact that none of us are in hell right now? Because is that not what we deserve even through one sin? Are you hearing me tonight? That's exactly what we deserve. And the fact that not only has God shown mercy in not casting our sorry self into hell, God has shown grace and that he took our unrighteousness and in its place he put the very righteousness of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen right there, church? And he says, I'm blown away by that. No wonder, no wonder, he says, how glorious is your name. He goes on, uh, verse 6, Lord, you have made man to have dominion over the work of your hands. You've put all things under his feet. God gave mankind the mandate to exercise dominion and proper stewardship over the various elements of this created universe, particularly the non-human life. He talks about animals, sea life. Verse 8, verse 7, all sheep and oxen, the beasts of the field, the fowls of the air, the fish of the sea, whatever passes through through the seas. And then he looks up again and says, O Lord, our Lord, in light of everything I just wrote down, (laughs) how excellent you are. 
in all the earth.